Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. to live Dharma Sunday for June 7th, 2020. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Every morning, I think we all have our morning ritual and um, it might include getting, uh, you know, a drink, water or tea or coffee and uh, so as I was doing uh, this morning, uh, I was drinking some um, a hot drink, and and after you take a nice hot a drink of you know hot beverage, you say it's uh, it's natural to say ah, <laughs> and I was reminded of. Uh, <clears throat> a tool that I have in my spiritual toolkit that I have not uh, picked up this tool in a while, but I know it's in my toolkit and uh, it has to do with uh, how how the Tisarana, the three treasures, part of the pronunciation or the sound involved. And And the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. And they happen to all end in the sound of ah, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. <clears throat> so a few years back, I, I thought, oh, that's uh, whenever you take a drink and you say ah, then subconsciously or you know, you're thinking about the three treasures. Uh, <clears throat> and this is a way of integrating common everyday behavior with uh, interconnecting it with with the Dharma teachings. And in this case, also, I think there's a topic of sacred sounds. Um, Now, I am not familiar with uh, in uh, religion in general, spirituality, but I know there is that 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 kind of a topic, and that maybe I don't know for sure, but 
the ah sound. Uh, or om, you might think of om. Huh? Uh, and um, whether there's some inherent qualities that are involved, how it, uh, that physical sound affects your body, um, <clears throat> how repetition uh, of a mantra or something that, that gets ingrained in your neural synapses. <laughs> And uh, spiritual practice changes the brain. So I was just thinking about ah uh, this morning, and uh, I said, yeah, even yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, affirmation. <laughs> you know, you could start to link it to all kinds of uh, uh, teachings. So. <clears throat> We might, you know, we need all the help we could get as spiritual growth seekers, truth seekers on a path. We need um, all the sense modalities. We need to see things, hear things, touch things, and so forth. Okay, well, I want to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, Christopher Cockbill. He's in Utah, and he was part of the I was going to say infamous, but I guess infamous is sort of a not a good word, huh? Um, that means famous in a in a not so good way. But um, <clears throat> that is LM9 group was a, a, a unique class that you know that um, they all came from different backgrounds and they all had their were very talented in, in how they expressed themselves. And uh, so it was a very productive uh, group of individuals that became lay ministers as part of the LM9 group. And he was one of the leaders. <laughs> you know? So let's hear from Christopher Cacchio. He's coming. Hello. Uh, thank you, Sensei. I'm grateful to be able to be here with you today um, to give the Dharma Cups. And I've been thinking a lot, especially with um, everything we've been going through over the past few months about Kuan Yin, about the goddess of compassion, the embodiment of compassion. Now, for those who are less familiar with Kuan Yin, she is known as the one who hears the cries of the world. Her very name is derived from the Chinese words Gan Shi Yan, which means to hear the cry of others. The goddess started out as male and Indian over the generations evolved into the female form we now have and represents in some ways the first transgender bodhisattva. I believe this transformation was a longing for the female energy to be represented in the Buddhist canon. In China, her representation of compassionate action took, help, took hold, and in Japan, she too has had a powerful influence. And in Japan, as some of you may know, she is known as Kanan. Now, her mythic story is one of my favorites. Wanting to free all beings from suffering, she set, aside, she set about doing just that. And not realizing how hard this would be, her head splits into 11 pieces. I love that. 
I appreciate that image. And it's kind of humorous, but that's how it can feel sometimes when we're trying to help those that are suffering. I know from my own years working at the Utah State Hospital that just hearing the cries of the suffering can make one feel as if though your head and your heart was going to explode into a million pieces. In the mythic world of Kuan Yin, her head and heart did just that. And the Buddha of boundless compassion, Amitabha, sees what has just happened and wants to help, so he gives her 11 heads. With this gift, she's now able to listen, but now she finally finds herself overwhelmed again by all the pleas for help, and her two arms then shatter. This time, Amitabha gives her a thousand arms, and each hand is an object that can be used to help the suffering. In the mythic world and in mind, she is still using her thousand arms to help all those in the need of compassion. I love this story because in me, I see each of us, especially those who have chosen the healing arts as their life practice. Such a vocation is an extension of the goddess compassion and energy. When Amitabha Buddha gifted the 11 heads and the thousand arms, he was letting her know that she had the capacity and help to accomplish her deepest wish, and that is to relieve suffering. At first glance, 11 heads and a thousand arms seems fantastical, but let's move beyond such thinking. For me, the 11 heads and thousand arms are less about Kuan Yin's physical appearance and what they represent. They represent each of us. Redemption alone, healing alone is not possible. We are all deeply connected interdependently woven together in the tapestry of living. Redemption alone, healing alone, is not possible. If just one person is sick, are we not all at some level sick? Vilamakirti was a great Buddhist practitioner, and I love this quote from him. Quote, because living beings have these illnesses, therefore I too am ill. End quote. The most important message of this myth is that each of us are Kuan Yin's face of compassion. Each one of us is one of her hands reaching out to someone in suffering. Kuan Yin is not some superhero of compassion, but a symbol and a representation of the community of caring and healing. At this time, and in this place, and in the flow of time, what greater aspiration could we have than to all become Kuan Yin and by so doing inspire Kuan Yin that each of us together can create a reciprocal circle of caring that can fill the world with compassion and healing. May it be so. Yeah, may it be so indeed. Yeah. Yeah, well, Kannon Bodhisattva, there's a, a artistic representation. He had the Amida Buddha statue. Uh, and then on both sides of him, uh, one side is, uh, you know, Kannon Bodhisattva. And on the other side is Manjushri uh, Bodhisattva of Wisdom. So, 
uh, uh, this is where wisdom and compassion are represented as uh, part of the core of um, Amida Buddha. Or as my father uh, phrased it, that that the spiritual qualities of wisdom and compassion represented by Amida Buddha refers to the heart of Shakyamuni Buddha with the contents of his heart uh, filled with wisdom and compassion. Um, <clears throat> there's all kind of interesting uh, what, do you, what you might call accoutrements or, or uh, additions or elaborations <laughs> of Kuan Yin and uh, <clears throat> uh, it's quite uh, impactful idealism when you see it represented in a statue of 10,000 <laughs> 10,000 arms okay. I know that Christopher Carcio mentioned 1,000 but I, I recall 10,000 but it doesn't matter it's just a large number it's an infinite number really um without limit, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and it's representing that, that kind of a wanting to help everybody. Okay? You're reaching out. And in a lot of the statues, if you look at the palm of the outstretched hand, there's some kind of object in there, maybe a Dharma wheel or uh, some religious uh, image, an object, or 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 uh, something that represents um, a spiritual virtue. Okay, so he's got all these hands, and he's got all these tools. <laughs> she has all these tools in her toolkit. Okay. Um. Uh, I always remember one fellow Buddhist minister who was a resident minister at a church and and uh, when he talks to his congregation members you know in private conversations and he said uh, some feedback he got is that some of them they cannot relate to the lofty spiritual qualities of wisdom and compassion. Well, you know, that that's way above my capabilities. Uh, so sometimes he started to use uh, other synonyms that that, that, the, that ordinary people could, could relate more to. So instead of wisdom, you might say, well, we have to increase our understanding a little bit, you know, a little deeper understanding. So, oh, yeah, okay, okay. And instead of compassion, you know, is it, well, we just have to be a little kinder, you know, to, you know, a member or a friend or a member of our family, you know, just, just have to be a little more caring. So, yeah, 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 okay. Then they feel that that's attainable. Okay. Not quite so 
lofty, idealistic way, un- unattainable thing, way up in the clouds. Oh, wisdom and compassion. Well, that's a, that's a, for the Buddhas. Eh? So that's kind of interesting too, eh? in terms of, well, you might call it uh, upaya or, um, you know, skillful means. And uh, <clears throat> I think that typifies how the Buddha taught. Or what does it mean to to teach in Buddhism, uh, where you go to the people? You don't have to be a lofty spiritual teacher and try to raise people up to your level. No. You go down to the people, to the people's level, and you communicate with them. Okay? You don't have, there's no image of a... <clears throat> A wise teacher there that exposes, you know, deep teachings and says, "Well, I'm not going to water it down. People will have to rate, you know, see that as an idealistic, you know, depiction or goal or something, and they got to strive for it." He says, "No, you're fooling yourself. You're not. That's not very realistic. Okay? People are not. A lot of people will not do that." Okay. I cannot become a saint. I cannot become, you know, wise, wise, wise sage. Huh? But what I can do is I could be a little bit more understanding of karmic effects and so forth. And if you do ha- have a little bit more understanding, it goes without saying that you that you <clears throat> once you know how others are suffering, you can't help but be more a little more caring. And that's another interesting thing about how the teachings are interrelated. It's like there's a hand, hand has a front and a back, but it's only one hand. Okay. Sometimes we we look at the palm of our hand and we say, oh, this is, you know. Uh, or you look at the back of your hand, you say, oh, this is the back. Okay. And we can't see both. But it's part of the one hand. You know it's part of the one with just one hand. Uh-huh. So spirituality has could be presented as well as two components of spiritual virtues or spiritual qualities of wisdom and compassion. Uh, <clears throat> now scholars may may differ on this of whether they they interpenetrate or interrelate together the wisdom and the compassion. But it makes sense to me is that if you have some real understanding, that understanding means empathy. That understanding doesn't mean intellectual cognitive knowledge, okay? but it has, it has feeling in there. And when you see suffering there, then you feel suffering. And uh, without Empathy, you, you cannot have compassion, really, you know, or you have a, or you might call a wrong, uh, misconstrued or misleading kind of compassion where you, it's just a, a hidden thing for your egotistical status or your image of oneself as, you know, being compassionate, okay? 
rather than as the saying goes, let your right right hand, you know, function with, with the left hand, not knowing what the right hand is doing. Uh, it's a naturalness that if you really see and you feel suffering of others, then you can't help but have that empathy and followed by some skillful means, okay? Which may be just your presence, not necessarily helping, you know, but it's sharing. That empathy means it's sharing, okay? Calm, calm passion. And I thought this was interesting because I already had a retreat. Uh, I think maybe it was Joanna Macy or one of those ladies that said, yeah, compassion. That, so that word, okay, calm, C-O-M, is, is the root word for togetherness, community, communal. So compassion, and passion means emotions, feelings. So I feel your pain. <laughs> uh, compassion means, you know, I, feel, I, I share your suffering. Okay. Uh, this is what, so it doesn't say, oh, it means helping. Uh, well, you might, you might, that might, it might lead to that. But the core of it is to feel it together. You hold hands together. You cry together. Or you rejoice together because of the empathy. You know, this is one aspect of how the many have something in common. You know, there's a oneness. Yeah. And uh, I think this is a maturity level of spirituality or spiritual growth. Um, If we're, even though in the Mahayana tradition, of course, Maha, the great vehicle, uh, not meaning great in terms of superior, but that if you have a large rat a boat, a lot of people could get on. See? So it means that the Bodhisattva vows is again, you want to, people are number, numerous, infinite in number. I'm, I vow to help them all. <laughs> you know, I vow to empathize with it. If one person is suffering, then you know, everybody's suffering. Uh, that kind of uh, ideal, a uh, feeling, I guess. I wouldn't say idealism, but you know. Uh, so it's nice to be reminded of these teachings, and then if you have it, then you. It's good to pick that tool up in your toolkit, just to look at it once in a while. Oh, yeah, oh, this is how it feels in my hand. This is what this tool can do. And uh, you might see more uses for it. Or you might get some more uh, more ideas about how you could use it skillfully, you know, in the same way, but more skillfully. Okay? And, of course, the more you handle it, the more you think about it, 
the broader its creative use can can become. Okay, and that's how it should be. <laughs> well, well, that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.